For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We have a little petite podcast for you guys today because I am heading out on a uh, bachelor party later this week and don't have too, too, too much time to edit or do all of that great stuff, but wanted to give you some content here during the down period. And also, again, frankly, not that much going on in Falconland right now. So, As I've mentioned before, it's going to be a little bit touch and go during the summer. It's just going to be my creativity put to the test. But you guys are in luck because I'm creative as hell. So what we're going to be doing today is ranking the top 12 Atlanta Falcons players heading into the 2023 season. And I say 12 because it was really, really hard to uh, figure out a top 10. Uh, And you guys will figure it out uh, as I go through the list, you know, even the honorable mentions, I really, really wanted to get to some of these players and, and just talk about them a little bit. And so I encourage you all to go through this exercise with me. I would love to to see your own personal top 10 list, if that's what you want to do, if you want to do a top 12, because like me, you're indecisive and you just can't really figure out, all right, who am I going to cut here? Do I really want to leave this guy off? No, they're a good player. I want to keep them on. So that was all of the... Uh, the little mental gymnastics that I had to do to compile this list today. But I thought it would be a nice, fun off-season exercise um, for us to do is just kind of look at the overall strength of this roster and and determine who are the best players uh, for the Atlanta Falcons heading into it. So that is the game plan today. But first, BetOnline is the number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code believe that's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. So let's get into the main topic for today. What makes a player great? It's subjective, surely, but it for the Falcons can be defined, I think, by the key traits that they really are looking for. And they've we now have three off seasons really to to know what this team values and, and what they're looking for. And I think that the two key things here are versatility and just overall character, you know, really what the man behind the helmet right? That is something that the Falcons have shown time and time again un, uh, under Arthur Smith and Terry Font know that they care about greatly. If they're going to invest these massive resources and capital in these players, especially free agents, 
they need to know that their players kind of worth investing that money in, that they're not just buying the on-field production, but that they can then trust these players to do all of the little things on their own free time. You know, we're in the midst of kind of vacation time for a lot of people in the NFL. June, the end of June after minicamp, after OTAs, dead period, early July before training camp, dead period. Dudes are off on boats, on safaris, doing all of these fun things. But you need to be able to trust a lot of the players and a lot of these guys. They're going to stay out of trouble, that they're going to be doing the little things that it takes to win on the field, even while they're away from the facility. So that is something that I kind of factored into the mix as I was building um, my top 12 list. And I also just want to note that this is my top 12 list going into the 2023 season and not really an overall career performance list. This is not a lifetime achievement award. It is how effective are these players going to be this fall? And so, yeah, there are going to be some maybe older players who are a little bit lower on the list than they might otherwise be if we were looking at, at careers in totality. But I think that's a good thing. And again, I want you guys to be aware of who I think, in my opinion, are the best players going into this season because that's what matters, right? Everything else is in the rear view. Year three, big season for Atlanta, for Arthur Smith, for Terry Fontenot. This is a big year. So who are the best guys? And that was kind of my focus. Does your list look different? Good. I, I hope it does. I'd love to see your list um, and hear why my list is wrong. And you can feel free to shoot me a, a top 10, top 12, like I mentioned, list over at uh, Believe in Falcons at gmail.com. That is our email address for the show. But you can also shoot me a note on Twitter at Will McFadden. Uh, my DMs are open. I will respond if I've got time. Um, I, I just truly love like these types of subjective topics that really encourage debate, that really encourage argument, name calling, even if you want to get uh, that sophomoric with with it all and, and just kind of drag it down to the dirt and be like, I can't believe you have so-and-so at number eight. Are you kidding me? That's way too low. I hope that uh, <laughs> that's the reaction that you have for a lot of these guys. I mean, that's the goal here is, is just to stimulate your own thought process and get you thinking about, all right, well, who, who are my favorite players? But again, it's not a favorite player thing. So I don't know why I said that it's objectively. I think that these are the best 12 players. And I say 12 because I, I kind of played around with the idea of doing like a starting 11 type of thing. And there was one player that I just kind of couldn't leave off. And, and that's, uh, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it now. You'll, you'll know, I think, but it's special teams related. There's really only one special teams player that's going to be on this list. So it's kind of like a starting 11 plus your special teams, honorable mention. Um, but I do want to start before I get to my actual list with some honorable mentions. I have four guys that I, again, I really wanted to find a way to include them on the list, but I just couldn't. And I think that's a good thing for Atlanta. Honestly, I mean, there, there are a number of, of the free agent acquisitions that are ultimately on my top 12. And they did kick, uh, you know, a couple of these guys off who I think played a big, big role for Atlanta last season and will play a big role again this fall. But that's Richie Grant and that's Caleb McGarry. Uh, and th those two guys, I am I'm looking back. I really think that Richie Grant, I know I knock him sometimes for the little mistakes that he makes and and some of these 
learning curve issues that that he will have from time to time. But I was really impressed, I think, with his play in his second year for taking on a huge role, as big a role as he did. I, I think that he did a really tremendous job. And I think that being around Jesse Bates this this season will only help him. Uh, and I think that he will improve greatly as they continue to kind of refine his role. And then Kayla McGarry, I mean, took a huge jump last season. Uh, guest on this podcast earlier this summer. I encourage you to go check that episode out. Um, but certainly in the run game, he is a bad ass. Are you kidding me? He's so good at run blocking. It's phenomenal. I know the pass protection could use a little bit of work, but I mean, tackles in this league are going to get shown up by the elite defensive ends. I mean, they're, they're so good nowadays. And I think that he is still improving in that area. I thought it was a little bit of a weakness of his game coming out of college, but the ability that he does bring in the run game is everything to Atlanta. And I think that's going to continue this season. I like the fact that they were able to bring him back on an extension, uh, re-signed him, whatever. But he's on that list as well. Two more honorable mentions who are free agent uh, newcomers, David Onyemata and Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith did not have a great year last year as a member of the New England Patriots, but I would encourage everybody to go investigate that offensive situation up there for the uh, the Patriots without Tom Terrific, their quarterback. I mean, the offensive coordinator deal, just real mess. Um, and if you look at what the Falcons were able to do, I mean, Michael Pruitt was the 10th graded or 10th highest graded Falcons player, according to PFF last season. That's Michael Pruitt. If you're able to insert Johnny Smith, who not only has direct uh, relationship with Arthur Smith as a uh, former Tennessee Titan, but I think is a better all around athlete and that's no shot to, to Michael Pruitt, but you know, I just think objectively that that's true. I expect his production to seriously take a tick up into more of what it was when he was with Arthur Smith in Tennessee. So he is an honorable mention here. And then David Onyemata for a lot of the same reasons. He's obviously been more productive throughout his career, uh, just consistently. And I think coming over here with Ryan Nielsen, you're going to continue to see that just pick up right where it left off and pairing him with Grady Jarrett. The Falcons legitimately, their defensive interior could be one of the best that we've seen since maybe Dontari Poe and, and Grady Jarrett were together uh, during that 2017 season. So I really think that what David Onyemata is going to bring to this defensive line is, is going to be very impactful for what Atlanta wants to do. But that's enough for my honorable mentions. Let's get into the real top 12. And we're going to kick things off here at number 12 with another free agent addition who's probably going to bring a lot to the defensive line. And that's Calais Campbell. And 12 may be low in your book uh, for, for Calais Campbell. I think, again, this is where we get into career versus expectations for the upcoming season specifically. And I know that they believe that Calais Campbell can can take on a big, nice early down role and still be a factor in third down situational pass rush um, areas. However, this is a, uh, a man who is 36 years old, and I just think that they're going to use him a little bit sparingly. Is he going to be impactful? Absolutely. That is why he is on my top 12 list. But I just think that given his age, given 
you know, the, the situational type of role that I think they will ultimately find him in, uh, later on in the year. That's why it, it knocks it down a little bit for me here, but don't get me wrong. Calais Campbell off the field, what he's going to bring on the field, what he's going to bring in situations. I think it's absolutely awesome. I think it's a huge, huge positive that he chose Atlanta to come to, because I do think that that is very telling of the type of organization and what the Falcons are, are looking to do, because you see this a lot in the NBA and, you know, sometimes you see it a little bit in the NFL, but these veteran kind of journey, not, not journeyman because Clay's Campbell has not been a journeyman, but these veteran older players who are looking maybe for that last run, right? They're, they're ring chasing a little bit, even though that has kind of a negative connotation because it, it looks like you're just doing the Kevin Durant thing and like joining the golden state warriors. But look, if I, if I was 36 and I have like one year left in, in the, I'd be, I'd be coming out and, and doing everything that I could to join a team that I think is going to have success. I don't want to go through a, you know, four and 13 season who would. So the fact that Calais Campbell of all the options said, all right, yeah, Atlanta, I'm buying into you. Let's go. I love that. I think that is huge. Awesome. And I expect him to be a big part of the success that Atlanta, I believe will have on the field this season. So 12 might be low, but again, if you guys make your own lists, you'll go through it. It's hard. It's hard to cut these guys. It's hard to be like, okay, so who am I going to lose outside of Clayus Campbell? Because there's a lot of good players on here. So he's number 12 on my list. I don't blame you if you get mad at me and you, you think he should be seven or something like that. But going into the 2023 season, I think he's going to be impactful. I just think it's going to be more in spurts than it is for a full 60 minutes of, of action. Um, number 11 on my list is Jake Matthews. And he is to me somebody who should be higher, but again, he's just steady. He's consistent. He is not necessarily flashy, but who on earth wants their, their offensive lineman to be flashy, right? No, you want your offensive lineman to be reliable. You want your offensive lineman to be just steady. And that is Jake Matthews. He is somebody who ever since coming into the league as a first round pick, a top 10 pick for the Falcons has justified that selection. He's been rock solid doing everything that they asked of him on and off the field. He's a leader. It's, it's no surprise at all that he and Grady Jarrett were kind of the two guys when Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot came in from the old regime. They were like, look, these two do it the right way. We're going to buy into them. They can buy into us. Let's go. Let's go forward. And so he absolutely should be on this list. If Caleb McGarry had been on this list, I would have had three offensive linemen. You know, I, I don't think it's a spoiler and you guys can probably guess who the other offensive linemen uh, would be of that trio. But I wanted to make sure to mention uh, Jake Matthews here because I respect the hell out of everything that he has done throughout his career, the way he approaches the game. He's learned a lot from his father, but in a lot of ways he's expanded upon that and he's built one heck of a career for himself as well. So Jake Matthews, number 11, going into this list. And, you know, I, I hope that he continues to uh, perform at that level. Number 10, Young Way Koo. All right, here's that special teamer. No way I could leave off uh, my guy Young Way on, uh, on this list. And I mean, he has just been so rock solid. Last year, he ranked sixth among all kickers in uh, PFF's field goal grade. So he is just so steady, so reliable in every way that you want him 
to be, whether it's kickoffs and then running down to make the tackle or field goals. He's got the distance. He's got the accuracy um, in the locker room. Very unassuming, you know, but, but everybody loves him. I mean, that's kind of what you want out of a kicker, right? Is, is the type of guy where after he makes the big kick, you see dudes are running off of the sideline just to mob him and be like, yes, we did it. We got it. There you go. And he has that quality about him. Uh, he's a fan favorite for sure. It would be so, so, so hard to follow in the shoes of Matt Bryant and, you know, no shade to uh, Giorgio Tavecchio to, to just pull one name out of a hat. There were a few people after the Matt Bryant experience um, that they tried to turn to and kudos to young way You know, he's, he came in here after, uh, after being cut by the chargers and uh, had a rocky career there, but he has found a new home here in Atlanta. And I think we are all so, so glad that he did. He is number 10 on this list heading into 2023, but not because, you know, that's not a reflection of his performance ability. It's more just the impact that he has on a game. And it's hard to, you know, even kicker, even though kickers like end up at the end of the year, scoring the most points of, of anybody game to game, to game, to game, the impact that a kicker has. Yeah. It, it could come down to the game winning kick, but I think you guys get what I'm saying. It's, it's harder to be like, he's a, the number two Falcon going into the year, even though in my heart, He's number one. Um, so young way number 10, number nine. And this one might be surprising as well. Cordero Patterson. Um, I think a lot of people would have him perhaps even in the top five legitimately because he, if we're going to talk about versatility, I mean, offensively and in special teams, name a facet of the game that he doesn't impact. Uh, I mean, that, that kickoff return for a touchdown against Chicago won them that game single-handedly. And he does so much when the ball is in his hands. He still runs like his hair is on fire. Um, I'm really, really excited for the different ways that they're going to be able to use him this season. Now that they've got, uh, you know, Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson in place to maybe spell a little bit of that workload, because you have to imagine if they're sitting in there pre-draft talking about who they're going to pick and, and Bijan Robinson, as we all know, was the pick, but as they're seriously bringing that up and considering it, of course they talked about Cordero Patterson. Of course they sat there and said, okay, well, what does this mean for him? Is this going to be a feature or a bug? Are we going to have too many running backs and not enough touches to go around? Or are we going to be able to utilize our backs in creative ways that accentuates their specific skill sets? And Cordero Patterson is kind of the prime 1A example of the player that I think will be freed up to do a lot more cool stuff this season because they've added Bijan Robinson to the backfield. So I think that even though he's a little bit older in age, which is kind of why he fell down this list a little bit, because I do wonder, and I am a little bit nervous that at some point, you know, does the, the cliff comes for everybody mid season, you know, it is, is the wear and tear there a little bit more? Is it starting to show? Is he a step slower? I hope not. And I haven't seen anything right now to indicate that that's the case. But again, as I'm just kind of going through my rationale for ranking these players as I did, that was a, a little bit of a deciding factor is, okay, you know, he can do everything, but as he gets older, is he going to still be able to do everything at such a high level, or are they going to have to pair some of that back 
kind of pick and choose their spots to deploy him. Who knows? Um, if, if this is really their all-in year, I think we'll learn a lot by seeing how they use Cordero Patterson because at times they have taken the shackles off and let him run loose. I mean, remember week one last year against New Orleans when he looked like Derrick Henry <laughs> carried the ball like 23 times for 140. Like, I mean, he looked absolutely nuts. And then a couple of weeks later, it's like, all right, he had five carries, you know, and, and didn't really touch the ball too, too much. So I think that we'll get a great sense of just kind of how all in the Falcons really are this year based on Cordero Patterson's usage. Uh, but right now he is number nine on my list. Number eight, Drake London. And I kind of wanted to find a way to put him a little bit higher because I think that he had a great rookie year. I don't think it was the rookie year that Falcons fans expected. You know, from a first round pick, certainly one in the top 10 as, as high as he was. Usually there's a little more flash. Usually there's a little bit more kind of like pizzazz from your wide receiver. You're going to see a, a Julio Jones take a screen for a touchdown for 60 yards against Philly in, in week two in your home opener, right? And Drake London didn't really have too many of those types of plays. In fact, you know, one of the more notable plays he had was kind of a negative play when Khalil Mack stripped him as he's running towards the end zone. And so I, I think that you have to really look at the play by play abilities of Drake London to appreciate what he did as a rookie, because a lot of what he was doing was not necessarily decoy stuff, but in these route combinations, he was either a deep dig guy or he was just kind of running that clear out seam and just absolutely getting on his horse and going and opening up some space behind him for some of these other guys. And he did all of it at a very high level. And Arthur Smith will say, and, and he has said this offseason, that they're very upfront with a lot of these rookies about just how long your rookie year really is. And I remember talking to a lot of players. Um, actually, it was maybe 2018 after that season going and, and talking to guys like Eric Saubert and, and Jake Matthews as well and Keanu Neal and asking them about their draft process, but also that rookie season and just kind of what is the rookie wall. And I believe it was uh, Eric Saubert who just kind of laid that all out for me and, and said, yeah, man, it's so long. You go from your college season, maybe you play in a bowl game, Maybe then you play in the senior bowl, then you're getting prepared for the combine, which is totally different than anything else that you really do in your NFL life cycle uh, or even your football life cycle. And then minicamp starts, then rookie minicamp, then OTA, like you just start again. It's just a series of starts and it doesn't really end. And so I think for Drake London to go through that whole process. Now, I know he missed a lot of his senior year did injury and that did kind of I think make things a little bit easier for him in terms of just his overall stamina. He wasn't kind of worn out already coming into the season, but he played like, it. you know, he, I think was giving effort day in and day out, uh, starting in, in training camp. So I'm really optimistic. I think of, of a lot of these guys on the list, Drake London probably has, um, a great shot at really rising up these rankings. If I do it again next year, which Maybe I will. This seems like very easy annual content to just do uh, a top 12 list. Um, so banking easy content ideas 
for myself is going to be the name of the game. But I would really look for big things from Drake London, and they're going to need it. He's going to have to be an alpha number one wide receiver, even though I think they're considering the tight ends and the running backs as essentially pseudo wide receivers as well um, in this offense. But Drake London is definitely the face of the wide receiver room, and there's not much else behind him. So he's going to have to be good. Number seven is the newest number seven on the Atlanta Falcons, and that's B. John Robinson. Um, and I, I think, you know, you could yell at me for saying, hey, how is he already ahead of Drake London? How is he already ahead of Cordero Patterson? All that stuff. B. John Robinson is freaking good, guys. I Like, I, I could have maybe made a case that he should be top five on this list. Um, he is an exceptional runner. But again, what he is going to bring in the pass game, I think is going to be special. I think it's going to unlock a lot of stuff about this offense and him coming from the Steve Sarkeesian kind of offense there in Texas, I think is going to really help him mesh in well with Arthur Smith's offense because it is, you know, there's some flavors, there's some sprinkling in there. And I I know when Dan Quinn was here with Sark and, and after he was taking over for Kyle Shanahan, they were calling it kind of the Falcons offense. But one of the things I really respected about Sark was he kind of took it on himself to learn a new offense, to learn the Kyle Shanahan offense. And that's not to say that, that he wasn't already familiar with it because a lot of people in the NFL run a lot of the same things. It, it really does kind of come from a couple of different types of offenses, right? You've got your West coast, then you've got your air Coriel kind of like air it out that, that Los Angeles or San Diego chargers, I guess, back in the day with North Turner, like that type of downfield passing game, or like I mentioned, the West coast, quick timing passing game. One of the weirdest things was when they tried to make Michael Vick into a West coast quarterback, never understood that. I think he would do much, much better in this kind of Kyle Shanahan hybrid of the West coast, which is play action bootlegs, things like that to get people in space to really put um, their players in a favorable position. So I like the fact that Bijan Robinson comes from a little bit of a branch of that same tree. And I think that he's going to step in here already has from day one and be just a pure weapon. I think he's going to really, really bring a nice home run element to this offense that they have been missing um, for a little bit because, you know, Kyle Pitts, I think was supposed to be a little bit of that, but he is, has not been so far. Part of that in year one was just teams kind of taking him away. I think in year two, obviously injuries uh, nagging throughout the season, but also just the offensive design and, and then Marcus Mariota, a lot of different factors there. We'll get to Kyle Pitts in a minute, but Bijan Robinson adding him to this offense, I think is really, really going to help take the top off of defenses. Even if you don't usually think of a running back kind of being the one to do that outside of, you know, a Todd Gurley or a Saquon Barkley or, a, you know, just those different guys from, from back in the, in the day. Um, I think, I think he will fit that mold. Um, so for that reason, number seven goes to the new number seven, B. John Robinson, like Drake London, I think, you know, it would not shock me at all if coming into next season, he's like one, two or three on this list. Like he will probably shoot up the rankings as long as he stays healthy because the workload is going to be there for B. John Robinson. So he is number seven. Let's go to number six. That's going to be AJ Terrell. I think if, if I was doing this list this time last year, he'd probably be number one, maybe number two. So it's, it's kind of telling that he's, he's slipped a little bit here at six. I think that 
he is certainly capable of turning all of that around. It's just really, really hard when I think about AJ Terrell. Now I just can't get that week one game when Mike Thomas, just two touchdowns in the red zone, right over him, just kind of made it look easy. He does still struggle against some of these bigger receivers, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas. I just mentioned, you know, last year was not AJ Terrell's best season. Um, however, I think that he is an extremely hard worker. He is somebody who cares a lot about his craft and, and does the little things that it takes to be great. So I am not betting against a bounce back, bounce back season in any way, shape or form. And I think that he's going to continue to be tested. Uh, and the addition of Jeff Okuda on the other side, you know, we'll, we'll see which way offenses like to go. But I, I kind of think that after seeing um, some of the success that other teams were able to have against AJ Terrell last season, that it's not necessarily going to be like a don't throw to this side of the field mentality for other offenses. So he's going to have opportunities to rebound and, and kind of get back on track. But some of the things that, that we saw from his rookie season where it was like, man, he's right there. He just isn't making that one play. He started doing that in year two and then year three, it kind of slipped back uh, just a little bit. So I think that, that this upcoming season will really be the nice benchmark for just kind of what type of player is AJ Terrell really, you know, is he like we saw two years ago where he could arguably be like a top five corner in the NFL if so, man, the Falcons are are really uh, liking where they're at in the secondary. If not, and if he's closer to maybe like 8 to 12 range or even maybe like 8 to 15 range, still not in, in the worst spot uh, imaginable. But then I think that will be a little bit more telling that maybe the 2021 season was m- more the outlier. Like that's the ceiling. That's where that's if he's on his game for a full season, like that's what we're going to get. But maybe it doesn't go much higher than that. Um, that being said, AJ Terrell is still a damn good player and you need good corners in this league. I mean, you don't need me to tell you <laughs> that it's a it's a passing league. And so the Falcons having AJ Terrell and having him, you know, justify his high draft pick. He was picked after Jeff Okuda. That's looking like it was a, a great pick for uh, for Thomas Dimitrov. So you know, a little hat tip there to the former regime. Um, and AJ Terrell is number six on our list. Number five is Kyle Pitts. And I think personally for me, I'm, I'm going to be coming into this year with a little bit of a, a discerning eye on Kyle Pitts. I, you know, I think, don't get me wrong. I think he is an exceptional talent. I think he is so unique as an NFL player, I've never seen, I guess I should rephrase that. I've only seen very few players kind of with his combination of, of traits and and unique abilities. More often than not, those players are exceptional and very good. And I think that we saw from his rookie year that Kyle Pitts can be a very productive receiver. I mean, God, how often do tight ends go over a thousand yards? If, if your name is not Travis Kelsey or, or Mark Andrews, like, or Darren Waller, you know, I guess, but it's not very common, especially as a rookie. Are you kidding me? I mean, there's a reason why he's the only, only the second rookie by Mike Ditka to to do that. And so he has the ability last year. He was nicked up. He was dinged up, but I also think that he improved greatly 
as a run blocker. I think that he improved in an aspect of the game that we don't really pay much attention to because we all play fantasy football and there aren't fantasy points for great blocks. (laughs) So we all drafted him and myself included pretty highly. And then he wasn't performing. And so everybody was kind of like, what the hell Kyle Pitts? I think he did the little things that it takes to kind of win on Sundays in the actual games that matter. And I think he improved at that. So year three, can he put it all together? Can he be a solid and dependable blocker on these kind of decoy plays when he is that like sixth offensive lineman, if they decide to use him in that way again, or can he be a dominant wide receiver down the field, helping Drake London be a preeminent red zone target all of those things. He's got to kind of put it all together. And so I'm going to be looking this year very closely to see if there are signs early on of, okay, on one play, you absolutely sealed the edge and you allowed, you know, Bijan Robinson to, to get that uh, corner and just take it to the house. And then, you know, two plays later, you come back and, and catch a scene down the middle for 24 yards on a crucial third down. Like, let's see him put it all together. And I think he can. I think he's talented enough, which is why he's number five on my list. Um, But I think he's capable of more. And I think he could shoot up this list. The Falcons kind of need him to settle into that like one, two or three spot talent wise here. Um, And so, yeah, I I think Kyle Pitts last year may end up looking like a little bit of a down year. And certainly the injury plays into that. But let's hope that bigger things are on the horizon here in year three. Um, Number four certainly uh, not drafted with the amount of hype that Kyle Pitts was, but that's Tyler Algier. And he has earned this spot on the list. I I think a lot of people could say, all right, why isn't Tyler Algier like number nine? You know, why didn't you flip him and Cordero Patterson or, or anything like that? Look, this dude earned this spot. Like he far and away, he had the third highest grade offensively for the Atlanta Falcons last year. I mean, as a fifth round pick, like just what he was able to do, contact balance, running through tackles, punishing defenders at the end of the run, it really kind of became, I think, the mindset and the mentality of Atlanta's offense at times last season. You know, seeing Caleb McGarry out in space absolutely run over a linebacker and then Tyler Algier make a cut off of that, Chris Lindstrom's diving it, a safety's you know, lower half to, to seal off that block. And then Algier is just finishing off the run with a huge hit to a corner. The other safety who's coming over to make the tackle. Like that got everybody in the building fired up. It got me off of my couch at home. They need more of that. They need more of the physical demanding. We're going to bring it to you play in and play out type of mentality. And, and to me, Tyler Algier is the one, a representative of that type of mindset that they need to have. So I really, really hope that he stays a huge part of this offense, even though they've added Bijan Robinson. And even though I think they're going to try to spread the ball around in more creative ways, because that just does more for everyone and it keeps defenses off kilter. However, I hope that when Tyler Algier gets his touches, that he is so efficient with them and that his job is made easier by the fact that they are creative and spreading everything around And so that he is just kind of breaking, you know, like early days, Michael Turner, every time he's touching the ball, like six yards, eight yards, sometimes there's a 35 yarder in there and it's great. And we're all excited, but just kind of, he keeps those chains moving. And I think that's going to be his big role 
this season, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited to watch Tyler Algier back out there for the Atlanta Falcons. So he is number four on my list. Number three, another free agent acquisition, Jesse Bates. And last season, you know, was very good, I think, for for Jesse, but it wasn't great. However, if you look at the floor of his career, like very good is the floor. When was the last time that we really could say that about Falcons play? I mean, sure, Matt Ryan, I, you know, I just kind of said that about Jake Matthews, but even Jesse Bates is kind of very good, I think is better than a lot of, a lot of players. Um, he is going to be such a vocal leader. And that's one of the ways that I'm kind of really curious and excited to see the impact that he makes for Atlanta, because it's not just going to be, all right, when the ball is snapped, yeah, he does a great job of navigating traffic and making tackles in the run game. He is exceptional in coverage as that center fielder who can make breaks on the ball, knock passes away, grab interceptions that are kind of game-changing plays. There's a reason Cincinnati's defense, when they got into the postseason on their Super Bowl kind of run, it was the defense that really, really led the way for them, even though everybody loves to talk about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all of these guys. The defense kind of got it done. And Jesse Bates, in a lot of ways, was a face, not the face, but a face of that Cincinnati defense. And now they're going to ask him to do kind of the same thing here in Atlanta for a unit that's in transition. So I'm really curious to see what kind of impact from a cerebral standpoint, you know, if he is the one kind of going to navigate, put people in position, how well does he do that? It's something that I think Ricardo Allen was really, really good at um, during his time here in Atlanta. And he also played in Cincinnati on that Super Bowl team uh, with Jesse Bates. So there's going to be a little bit of commonality there, but he could have a huge, huge impact. You know, I know I have Clays Campbell at 12, but when I'm looking at just kind of, you know, not only is Jesse Bates like in the midst of his prime right now, but when you kind of are talking about the commander and the leader of defense, that safety role is usually it. Maybe you've got your Mike linebacker, but because, you know, Caden Ellis is coming in here, Troy Anderson, maybe Caden Ellis because he's got that comfort with Ryan Nielsen, but really Jesse Bates has been a captain in his career. Like he, he is going to be, I think the guy communicating from the top down to everybody on that defense. And so his impact, I think is going to be huge in 2023, which is why he is number three on my list. Uh, And he's going to be so much fun to watch you guys. Like, uh, Jesse Bates is, is such a great player. I'm so happy that the, uh, the Falcons added him and made him kind of their premier free agency acquisition this off season. Um, so he's number three, but number two and number one, we've got some homegrown guys here in the trenches. Number two is Grady Jarrett. And look, it's a real coin toss. Like he could be number one, maybe should be number one. I mean, if, if we had to pick right now, a face of the franchise, it's Grady Jarrett. No question in my mind. Um, after Matt Ryan has been gone, he is the elder statesman. He is the leader in the locker room, well-respected by every single player, well-respected by the media. I mean, I think it was very telling that you have a former defensive line coach from the New Orleans Saints in Ryan Nielsen, a former defensive lineman, well-respected from the New Orleans Saints in David Onyemata, coming in here, and they could easily have just been like, all right, dude, we know that you've been getting it done here for a little while, but 
frankly, our defensive lines have been better than the ones here. And there's a new sheriff in town and we're going to do it our way and you can learn and keep up. But no, they've come in and they have said, this is Grady's house. You know, like he is far and away so respected in this locker room. And I think it's very, very telling when you've got opposing players kind of coming in here and being like, yeah, dude, we're following you. We're following your lead. And I, he is still playing his best football. I hope he continues to play his best football forever. I hope it's a Jonathan Babineau type career for him where it's just like 10 years here in Atlanta, 12 years here in Atlanta, constantly getting production, constantly getting sacks. Like he is capable of so many great things. And it feels like forever that we've been saying like, just, just get him some help, get Grady some help around him. And let's really, really see what he can do when he is not the sole focal point. This year is going to be about as good as any. You know, I I know that, again, they don't still have that kind of 1A monster off the edge to really, really draw the attention. He may still be, Grady, I'm talking about, may still be that that premier focus for opposing offenses, but I don't think they're going to be able to dedicate quite the amount of resources to just him that they have previously. And so for that reason, I think 2023 could shape up to be one of Grady's best years um, as a member of the Atlanta Falcons, and they would absolutely love for it to come at this time. Given the fact that he knows very well what's at stake this season, I expect Grady to be locked in from the get-go, leading the way, and it's going to be so much fun. I, I just I cannot wait to see number 97 back out there for Atlanta um, killing people. So he is number two. Let's get to number one on my list, and that's Chris Lindstrom. Uh, I think that... For everything that he did last season, number one graded player for PFF um, on Atlanta's offense. I believe he was the top rated uh, guard as well overall in the NFL. Obviously got a huge, huge extension this offseason, making him the highest paid paid guard um, in league history. But he earned it. Uh, I mean, I know I mentioned kind of Caleb McGarry, and he's my prime example whenever I talk about run blocking. But just... Next time you're watching a game, I mean, it doesn't have to be week one. Pick whatever game you want. I'm not the boss of you. You're the boss of you. But just watch a game. And as you do, pick like two or three offensive series and just watch Chris Lindstrom. You know, you can follow the ball when it's thrown or when they hand it off or whatever. But like watching offensive linemen on a play in and play out basis not only gives you a great indication of kind of the scheme that they're running, because that's really when you can, when it comes to like run offense, you got to watch the offensive line. They're going to be the ones that, that tell you what's going on. But then you just see all of the little things that he does at such a high level, the way that he can maneuver off of double teams, slip up to that second level, catch a linebacker who's running full speed and just absolutely stop him in his tracks. And there's a reason why running to the right was so effective for Atlanta. It's because you had Caleb McGarry usually knocking out that end or knocking out that linebacker. And then you had Chris Lindstrom climbing as well. And so they were able to open up these second level creases for guys like Tyler Algier and, and Cordero Patterson. So there is, is no doubt in my mind that that Chris Lindstrom has more than justified. And he is kind of one of the reasons why when you look at B. John Robinson and you look at, you know, what people are saying about value, I'm just glad Chris Lindstrom's on this team. Like, I don't care that they took him at 16, maybe a a little bit higher than people had him going in mocks. Like they have arguably the best guard in the best right guard in the NFL. So 
that's a great selection. Like he is a huge building block and allows this run offense to be as good as it is. And he's also a really, really solid pass protector. So if you're just looking at an all around great weapon, I know offensive line is not the sexiest thing in the world, but for this offense, and when you guys see the way that they're going to be able to run the ball again this year, not going to get much sexier than that. So Chris Lindstrom, awesome guy on and off the field, hard worker, great player. He is my number one Atlanta Falcon heading into the 2023 season. So that's my list. Let's do a quick recap. Number 12 is Calais Campbell. Number 11 is Jake Matthews. Number 10 is Youngway Koo. Number nine is Cordero Patterson. Number eight is Drake London. Number seven is Bijan Robinson. Number six, AJ Terrell. Number five, Kyle Pitts. Four, Tyler Algier. Three, Jesse Bates. Two, Grady Jarrett. And one, Chris Lindstrom. So again, I'd love to, to see y'all's list if you uh, want to go through this exercise and just break out a roster and, and kind of go through it however you would like to. It's all subjective, but you can shoot it to believeinfalcons at gmail.com or go ahead and send it to me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um, while you guys are at it, we're not going to put this video on YouTube because as I mentioned, I got to get out of here and head out to celebrate a good longtime friend of mine for a bachelor weekend. But we have a lot of great video content going up on our YouTube channel every week. So just check out Believe in Falcons. Got a new intro. Super excited about that. Put that all together. Um, video is is a real learning curve for me because my background is writing. So uh, we're we're getting there. But please go check that out um, if you guys have the time. And please subscribe to uh, our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Spotify, Apple, all of that good stuff. Today's episode, as always, was presented by Bet Online. That will do it for today on Believe in Falcons. I went a little bit longer. I'm looking at it now. It's 45 minutes. Holy, holy gosh. Uh, so not a petite podcast, but a full length podcast for you all. Cause that's how dedicated I am to delivering great Falcons content. So that'll do it for me today until next time, everybody take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.